Welcome to Manager Tools. The dangers of managing a high C. Part one, here we go. And Danny, you're at high I, so managing high Cs, I'm sure is one of your most <laughs> favorite things in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I heart high C's. <laughs> you heart high C's. And being a high C, the whole, like, I heart something is just doesn't, doesn't, shallow it. Does, doesn't work for me. Yeah. I just, just actually, I have to, I have to stop recording so I can go throw up. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, um, folks, when we say high C's, if you're a new listener, if you've been, if you've been listening for a while, you probably know what a high C is because we've talked about it so many times. But, um, before we go on, just, Help me understand, what's a high C? Help the audience understand what's a high C. Yeah, sure. So at Manager Tools, we use the DISC model to talk a lot about communication and having better relationships with folks. And in the DISC model, the high C is the C in DISC, D-I-S-C. And the high C is the intersection of the uh, behaviors that are reserved so they tend to talk slower and softer. They tend to t uh, pause more when they're talking. And the task part of the DISC model, which means they tend to focus on work, not so much on people. They tend to talk about what needs to be done, not who is doing it. They tend to smile a little less, high C's. So uh, at our Effective Communications Conference, we talk about high C's, examples of high C's being Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory or uh, Spock from Star Trek or Data from Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, which the joke is always, you know, Spock and Data, neither of them are actually even human. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's those are our examples of high C's. Okay, that's of course that's an exaggeration, right? We don't a little bit of an exaggeration. Yeah, yes. just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and, and Danny's a high I. We're not gonna talk about high eyes, but for a high I, that's just a slight exaggeration. <laughs> it's just a, t a tiny little bit because they tend to exaggerate. Okay, <laughs> now go ahead. Sorry. So so high C's tend to focus more on the work and the details, not so much on the people and the big picture. So having a high C on your team actually is very powerful, um, can be a big part of your success. They're detail conscious. They're not afraid of working hard. They're really willing to dig into the details down in the weeds. They are great negotiators because they're incredibly well prepared and they just master the minutiae of the, of the um, negotiation. So they have a lot of strengths as all of the profiles in the DISC model, the DIS and C, all four, uh, all have great strengths and they all have some weaknesses, right? So some people say, well, gosh, Danny, that sounds great. Well, I should just have a bunch of high C's on my team, right? Yeah, I mean, the way you describe high C's, I mean, I take it all as like, they're like the perfect employee. I mean, why why wouldn't you want all high C's on your team? I mean, right. I'm, just, I'm just saying. <laughs> just, I'm saying. Just, just saying. <laughs> because those of you who might not know, Mike is actually a high C, so. <laughs> yeah, and we, we actually uh, often describe high C's as perfectionists. And when we talk about that at the conference, the high C's in the room are like, well, what's wrong with that? That sounds pretty good. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Um, well, so here, here's the thing. Yeah, they have some great strengths, but they will wait forever to actually take action. The, the preparedness, the plans, the process, the procedure, uh, that's all good stuff. And the downside is 
they have a tendency to aim, 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 get some more data, start aiming again. Right? The, the ocean will be boiled, but only then the real work will begin. Yeah, but you got to get it right. I mean, come on, you don't. <laughs> yeah. So high seas uh, have no, uh, are, are perfectly comfortable uh, sacrificing time, timeliness for quality, right? That the, the waiting. Which is fine unless you actually have to release a product, but you know. Right, unless you need to get some stuff done. Like revenue, just, <laughs> just a small thing in the world of business. Kind of important. So like all of the four uh, behavior profiles in the DISC model that we use and teach, high Cs obviously can cause their share of headaches, right? They have some great strengths. They are really in the details. They'll focus on getting things absolutely correct. Um, but there can be some dangers there too. They right. tend to infuriate some bosses because their methodicalness and the unwillingness to take action in in the face of wanting more data. Okay. So there are some dangers. So so what, what are, are the dangers? Yeah, yeah. and and what can we do about them? Right. That's what we're going to talk about. Uh, and I think this is going to be a two parter, right, Mike? Yeah, I I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So three dangers that we're going to go over and the solutions. So danger number one is high seas take too long. And the solution to that is we're gonna assign early deadlines and robust reporting. Danger number two, high seas focus on the details and can sometimes miss the big picture. So solution to that is we're gonna discuss the big picture with them regularly. We're gonna remind them what the big picture is, what the, the overall goal is. And the third danger we're going to talk about is high C's tend to fail to collaborate and communicate. Uh, because remember, we talked about high C's like to focus on the task, not so much on the people. So they tend to want to focus on getting the work done, not actually communicating and collaborating with other people on the work that they're doing. And so the solution to that is we're going to encourage collaboration and communications. So that's what we're going to cover. Those are the three dangers and the three solutions. Okay. Thank you. That's great. A great introduction to high seas. I think again, what's what's wrong with that? Um, oh yeah, you just mentioned them. There's three of them. Okay, so let's let's talk about the first danger. Good. So first danger: high seas tend to take too long. High seas generally believe that quality takes precedence over timeliness. Right, as I said a couple minutes ago. Right. Move. The, I mean, move the deadline in favor of quality. Right. If you, if if there's not quality, then we shouldn't release. We should move right. the deadline by another couple months. Absolutely. To the high C, work that is late is less of an evil that work that is, than work that is of low quality, right? If, if it's late, better to be a little late and be good than earlier on time and be not so good. That's right. Right. So it, to some degree, for the mind of the high C, if he or she didn't complete the work in time, well, that's because you did not give enough time for the project to be completed well, right? That's their logic. Well, in, in the high seas defense, I mean, everybody misses deadlines. It's not like high seas <laughs> are only one missing deadlines. <laughs> no. It's not like a high I never missed a deadline. <laughs> what? Deadline? <laughs> Dead what? <laughs> yeah. High eyes are not known for our, our uh, ability to hit deadlines either. Yeah. No project is ever on time, right? Projects are started and not finished all the time. We have some experience with that here at Manager Tools. To the high C, right? Why not admit it? Plan for the project to take longer and get it done and get it done right. Well, there you go. Okay. Well, good. Then we're done here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Our work is done. 
Yes, and no. <laughs> no. So let's just be clear. Some high C's will insist on taking more time during the planning phase. They will expect you to give them longer lead times. They'll want more time than maybe you're able to give them. They'll complain that the it's impossible to meet the deadlines you've given them. And from time to time, you may have to force them to lose that argument, right? You may have to push them to hit the deadline, um, even if it means a little bit less quality than maybe what they would be comfortable with. I say all the time at, at our effective communications conferences, as a, I'm actually a high D, high I both, which is all about speed. And I say uh, to folks, much to the chagrin of the C's in the room, I will take 20% faster at 80% less good, <laughs> which just blows their mind. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I just had a meeting, a uh, late lunch meeting with Casey, who's um, the co-founder of Ricochet, which is the, the company organization that we have a pretty tight relationship with in terms of doing development stuff. And folks, you just, you just ought to see how they manage projects. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible. It's, it's really state-of-the-art stuff for a relatively small firm, although very successful. And one of the top things they cover, he covers it on one-on-ones with his folks, is the 80-20 rule, which is in terms of value for the customer, helping them understand every single time they talk, what's the 80% solution? Like where is the where is the value, right? And trade that off against the cost for that last 20%. Right, um, absolutely. And having been on the receiving end as the client of that, it is incredibly powerful. And high seas typically don't do that, right? By definition, the requirements are the 100% solution. And by definition, if it's high quality, we're gonna meet all the requirements, even if it takes twice as long, because I'm trying to get that extra 20% that doesn't have as much value for the customer. And so the way he's addressed this is having his developers constantly thinking about and reporting essentially in their one-on-ones how they're incorporating the 80-20 rule in their work. Love um, it. It's, it's pretty cool. Very cool, brilliant. But Mike, not all high C's are going to argue about the deadlines, right? Some high C's not won't the argue planning. about the Right, deadlines. that's right. And, yeah. and, and partly because, you know, they're, they're risk adverse, right? So if you have a high D boss who, who has some aggressive timelines, high C's are, are fairly averse to confrontation. And so they, they won't argue um, during the planning, you know? So um, the problem is that <laughs> later on, <laughs> right on, later on, they're going to complain about the impossibility of meeting those deadlines. Right, right. They'll miss them and then they'll defend the miss by talking about the long hours they've put in and the work that's been necessary and all types of rationales that are totally believable and logical. That's right. right? That's right. Yeah. So, so don't, as Mike said, don't expect that, that they're all at the beginning going to, to push back on the deadline. That being said, they're probably going to start slower than most. They're going to have more reasons to delay along the way. They're going to have more reasons than most to argue for extending that final deliverable deadline. And again, their reasons, quality, details, research, process improvement. And all of those reasons, completely valid, but maybe not totally helpful when the deadline's are really important, right? When the deadlines matter. That's right, and we'll and we'll talk about it later. But you know, part of the danger of this is they're doing this, and while they're doing it, they're not communicating terribly well. So the rest, so the rest of the right. team is clueless as 
to the impact of their delays. And so you, you take those two things, delays in the start, lack of communication, and you have a, a real disaster rate. Particularly at the beginning of a project, right? The, the right. success of a project is so uh, dependent on whether the first couple of deliverables are met or not, right? That's right, absolutely. It, you got the beginning is the is a critical time for any project. Yeah, and for high scene in particular, if you can establish the the habit of meeting deadlines and robust reporting, you're gonna have a much uh, more successful project. So right. it's so which leads us to interesting enough, our solution, solution this, number which is one. <laughs> which is assigning early deadlines and probably earlier and in a smaller amount of time than high seas would like, uh, and then requiring some robust reporting around that to establish an early um, habit of uh, success in meeting deadlines. Right. You cannot address the timeliness of the project uh, at the end of, of the project, right? You, you can't wait until the end when it's late, significantly late, and then say, okay, we've got, you know, we got an issue with timeliness. Much better, more effective, uh, and frankly, easier to start it at the beginning, to start off at the beginning talking about timeliness. And the way that we do that is by assigning more frequent deadlines earlier in the process. Now, this is interesting because most of us as managers, I think, Mike, you, you, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I think a, a lot of managers think that, oh, well, I trust my directs. And so I'll just let them set their own deadlines, right? They, they know what to do. I, and I don't want to micromanage them. I don't want to tell them what to do. And this issue of setting frequent early deadlines often is perceived by managers as micromanagement, right? Yeah. That if I do that, then I'm sending a message that I don't trust my directs. All right. I, I was just talking to my my brother-in-law. I gotta be careful here because maybe his boss, I think he's actually <laughs> my boss, does listen to this podcast occasionally uh, and knows who I am. So, oh, well, I think I might throw my, might be throwing my brother-in-law under the bus here, but he was just describing a situation in work, I'll try to keep this anonymous a little bit, um, where an individual manager is, is not getting their job done, frankly, as a result of lack of management. And I asked him why that was so, and he described, well, if this person's boss were to dig into it, he would be accused of micromanagement. And it was just so ludicrous, the, the things that, he was suggesting the boss ought to be getting into were just standard management stuff like, where are you on this project? Where are you on this task? Oh, it was simply in my head, it's like, what? There's something wrong with that culture because you just completely defanged is the wrong word. And I'm struggling for the word, but you just basically, you might as well not even have the manager at that point. Right, right. I, it's, it's crazy. So I think the bar that most people have around defining when a manager starts micromanaging is just incredibly ridiculously low. Uh, and, and folks describe their bosses as micromanaging them, and it's not even close to micromanagement. Yeah, it's it's really what I see in managers when I when I talk to them every week at our conferences is there's much more of a fear of being perceived as a micromanager than an under-manager. Right, a tough manager, like an effective yeah, manager. Yeah, right? effect, right. And really, and, and what I tell them is, you know, really the danger is in under-managing because what you're doing right now is is way under-managing. Um, so. Let's tie it back to the, to the high C here, to the, the detail-oriented person. The problem is that if you are 
on the far extreme of not essentially not managing, right? Because you're afraid of micromanaging and your direct is not a communicator. And God forbid, you're not doing one-on-one, -on -one, so you have no chance of discovering right. this at all. It out. You're in real danger. You're not going to make your deadlines. You just are not. And that's the problem here. With, a, with an under-communicator and an under-manager, uh, it's, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Absolutely. So the belief that measurements and intermittent deadlines are, quote-unquote, not trusting isn't accurate. Because what we're going to tell you is assign smaller, earlier deadlines and then have your high C direct report on them on a very regular basis. And this is not, I don't want to use a double negative, this is not not trusting, right? <laughs> it, it, it's not, it's, it's managing. I'll remind folks of the old Russian saying, trust, but verify. Right. Or as we sometimes say, measures trust and verify. That's right. Yeah, sure. We trust our directs. We talk a lot about the importance of trust in relationships between us as the manager and our directs. We work to build trust. We try to really hard to sustain trust. But trusting doesn't mean we don't supervise. Trusting someone doesn't mean we don't measure their work. And deadlines are a very clear way to measure timeliness and interim progress throughout the project. That's right. And when it comes to high Cs, the measure, when we, if we measure our directs, the measure that's going to be a challenge for high Cs is, in fact, time. Yeah, right. They it's probably they not going to be around quality, right? It's no, absolutely. Because they believe that time can be sacrificed to the higher quality, right? And hey, we need to we need to deliver a higher quality project and and we're willing to give up some some timeliness around that. And guys, to be clear, often they're right, right? That that we can take a little bit more time to deliver a higher quality project or or product. But when they're not, and sometimes they're not, <laughs> they may still fight us on the time versus quality issue. That's right. And 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 I'll go back to Casey's 80-20 rule. Uh, one of the things I love about that, one of the things he said was, you know, it's, it was focused on the 80% solution in terms of the requirements. For those 80%, let's get those right, right? <laughs> so as a high like hit them out of the park, right? Let's, let's hit them out of the park. Let's make sure those are great. And the 20% that don't provide as much value to the client, let's not do them. Let's don't take the time there right, for, to, to build those in and sacrifice the quality of the 80%. So I thought that was a, a pretty cool way of selling it to a high C yeah, like me, right? absolutely. So, and I'd rather do 80% really, really well than the 20%, you know, everything poorly and deliver a bunch of uh, functionality that the client doesn't really need. So anyways, I again, Casey, as you can tell, I kind of dig what you're doing there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So what, is this, what does this look like, Mike, for the manager? Right? How do we do this? So to measure time, pretty easy. We set more early deadlines than normal. We've, we've kind of referenced this a couple of times or hinted at it. So, you know, maybe instead of a deadline that's, um, say, a particular task, let's say it's a two-month deadline. Uh, so you might move it up to, you know, maybe uh, a month and a half or something like that, right? The overall okay, project, folks, you folks lost that, that me pause, there. I'm like, that, that, um, that boss, no. That, that pause you just heard, Danny, was like, he's off in Never Never Land. What, what are you talking about, a two-month deadline? Like, she didn't even – yeah, I'm sorry. My kids often tell me they don't know when I'm joking. So, folks, that was – I was trying to uh, 
trying to be funny unsuccessfully that was uh, mike trying to be a straight man and me being like uh what yeah mark's mark's more used to it <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm not <laughs> okay so okay so just just ignore that folks the idea of a two-month deadline for a task is ridiculous <laughs> right okay that's that's what danny was reacting to it's like <laughs> yes. are you kidding me we're talking about well, go ahead you, you tell them because you're you're better at <laughs> <laughs> you're so funny <laughs> All right. So what, what a lot of perfectionists, they, what they want to do is they want to spend time planning. I think that's where your two months comes in, right? They want to spend time planning, thinking about it, preparing, creating a process. They want to make sure that the output that they're ultimately going to create in two months, apparently, will be as good as they can make it using the best possible method that they can come up with. I'm getting all tingly inside as you say that. So it's like, (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately, uh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So they're going to tend to take a lot of time at the beginning, getting ready to actually start doing the work, thinking about the work and planning the work. So what we see as managers is they leave the meeting where you assigned them some work. There is no early deadline. To be clear, two months is not an early deadline. And at the very beginning, when you think work is being done, they are thinking and planning and considering. They are coming ever closer every day to maybe possibly having an idea about what the potential best approach is, what preparation is needed, what the best metrics are to measure their output. And very soon, someday, maybe in two months, they will begin to make what you might consider to be progress, possibly soon. soon. Yeah, like in two months. <laughs> like in two months. <laughs> yeah, right. And for experienced managers, you heard Danny talk about the things that they are doing. There are literally in 30 seconds, we could come up with 50 deliverables relative to what was just described. And that's what you do. Right, you set more early deadlines than normal. And it's not hard, right? As Mike said, we could come up with a whole bunch of deliverables about all of that thinking, planning, considering the the outputs, the metrics. If the work you've asked to be done is going to take a month, for example, I'm going to use a month, Mike, because two months literally makes my head explode. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Literally. If the work you've asked to be done is going to take a month, Typically, we would recommend that the longest time between any two deadlines, between any two task completions, be a week. Part of that is that a week is the longest anyone should ever go without reporting, right? Everybody should be reporting at least weekly. And and we have a great tool that just takes that right into practice, which is the one-on-ones, right? If you're doing weekly one-on-ones, then the reporting can be done during the one-on-one. But for someone who is more likely to miss meaning a perfectionist, the high C, the longest time at the beginning would be two to three days between deliverables. Yeah, and and I know a lot of our listeners' heads literally exploded. Like, they're not listening anymore because their head just exploded. But folks, we're serious here. And that's a minimum, right? Absolutely. In the first week, there is nothing wrong with assigning tasks that have daily deliverables, that have daily uh, due dates and expect communication about those tasks each day, right? Each due date. So rather than just saying, well, there are four major parts to this month-long project and I want a weekly report either on Friday at noon or during our one-on-one. Instead, we would break that first week down into two, three or four tasks, right? If it's something that's only gonna take a week, 
ask for an update at the end of days one and two. Don't wait until the final deliverable to ask how, how things are going. So again, if it's going to be a month, if it's a month-long deliverable, start asking for things in the first two or three days. If it's a week-long deliverable, start asking for updates and status in the first, first day or two. Um, and by the way, when we say don't wait until the final deliverable to ask how things are going, guys, to be clear, that's only a, an expression. Asking how things are going is only going to result in you getting one answer. And that answer is fine. Right. Which is <laughs> which, not an answer. Which is not an answer. <laughs> not a good answer. Put it that way. Good. Yeah. All right. So further, when you assign the tasks, follow our previous guidance about robust reporting. Assign the reporting along with the task. Don't ask, please come up with a cost estimate in week one. Instead, ask, please send me a mail with your cost estimate for materials by Wednesday at 2 p.m. I'll say the difference between those two is significant. And uh, I just want to highlight and make sure you guys heard Wednesday at 2 p.m., right? Not by Wednesday. I'll share a personal story, Mike. When I was a VP and I started including the times for deadlines, this is button due by noon on Thursday. Um, the actual rate at which my directs got stuff done increased dramatically. So that's really, really important. I think there's two things. I'm a high seas. I think there are two things that grab the, the high seas attention there, which is adding Wednesday at 2 p.m. is so unusual to hear a time associated with the deliverable that it gets folks' attention. Right, sure it's like, like it, it just it just registered. People hear it. You hit say by Wednesday, it just kind of gets lost in 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 the conversation. Wednesday at two p.m. gets people's attention. And the other thing, particularly for high seas, Wednesday at two p.m. is fairly precise. Right, I might actually even say Wednesday at two p.m. and thirty seconds. Um, of course, they'd laugh. And <laughs> um, again, just to get their attention, right? So the the precision of it also gets a high seas attention because high seas like detail. Yeah, absolutely. Here's the reason why we recommend the second, right? The second example, please send me a mail with your cost estimate for materials by Wednesday at 2 p.m. If you don't assign reporting, meaning the sending of the email with the tasks, then it's pretty easy to assume that the task, in this example, the cost estimate is complete. But the perfectionist, the high C, may assume that as long as they have a good reason, and remember we talked about the reasons probably going to be something along the lines of quality, that they can delay that task until they have what they need to proceed appropriately. And you won't know because you didn't assign any reporting. And folks, just to be clear, if you assign the task for Wednesday at 2 p.m., if it's two thirty, okay, not two o five. If it's two thirty and you haven't received it yet, early on in the project, I could argue the entire project, but particularly early on in the project, you have to call them at two thirty and ask them where the deliverable is. You can't wait a week and say, "Hey, where was that thing?" It was due at Wednesday at two p.m. and then ask them about it a week later. That doesn't work. And they don't have to do anything, right? You you haven't been. You can continue to do what you've been doing. You haven't been fired yet, so apparently you don't have to do it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But we'd recommend that you do follow up and again, set an early precedent, create a habit of uh, attaching significance to deadlines and letting them know that if they miss a deadline, you're gonna follow up. 
if you want them to continue that behavior in the future, that is. Yeah, absolutely. And these days we have all kinds of technology to, to ping us and remind us of that. Uh, when, whenever I used to set a deadline, when I was managing a, a larger team and I had a lot more deliverables that I was, I was pushing out, uh, and I had those deadlines Wednesday at 2 p.m., I set a reminder on my calendar, and, and now you can do it on your phone or whatever. And at 2.30... I was checking and if I was, if I hadn't gotten it, absolutely follow up. And again, doing that early, yes, that's the precedence to your people that, oh, wow, right? When Danny says she wants this at two, she's going to have it by 2.30. <laughs> she's going to be checking with me, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. So that's, that's setting the early deadlines. Let's talk uh, a little bit more about the, the reporting. So the robust reporting includes not only that the reporting on the status of the tasks that are due, but also includes forecasting on future things, right? Future workload and ultimately completion. It's not enough to just report on stuff that you've, that you've completed, that you've done. Reporting also includes updates on how you expect future deliverables to shake out. That's right. What, you know, what kind of issues are you having? What are the problems you're having? Are there any re resource constraints? Are there time factors or, or, you know, are there trade-offs? Hey boss, I can get this done. But again, the 80-20 rule, right? Those kind of things. If you're in one-on-one, -on -one, what, what kind of questions are you going to ask to get that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, because so they don't won't necessarily volunteer it, right? So part right. of, they're not great communicators. No, folks. It isn't that there isn't high, there aren't high C's who are great communicators or very good communicators. There are. We're talking about the default for a high C, unless she changes her behavior, is not to be a great communicator. But you can do anything, right? You can exhibit any behaviors if you choose to do so. It's not a blanket, all high C's are terrible communicators. That's not what we're saying. So, but you got to think differently. Yeah, it's just that they're, it's not their tendency, right? That's it's right. not the first thing they think about. That's right. So how can we help them with that, right? How can we help encourage them to, to think about communicating ahead of time in, in, in their reporting? That's right. And by asking questions, right? That's yeah. how you encourage them. So, so during the one-on-one -on -one or when you're reviewing this, so what, what kind of questions would you ask? Yeah, some questions I might ask would be, um, do you see anything coming that could delay you? And if so, what are you going to do about that to prevent it? Uh, are you still com committed to meeting the final deadline? Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. And any reasons why you wouldn't, right? Do you see any problems with the final uh, deadline, with our final due date? Um, and if so, okay, let's talk about how we're, how we're going to mitigate that now, right? Let's get ahead of it. Right. Good. And, and guys, it's okay to explain to your high C perfectionist direct why you're doing this, particularly if you've not done it previously, um, so you, you might say something like, hey, you know, I've learned that early progress is a good sign on projects and delays early in a project just compound later, right? They just build up and it just causes even longer delays in the future. Coupled with your natural tendency, which is to want to spend more time planning early on, um, when we put these two facts together, right, that early delays get worse as the project goes and you have a natural tendency, which I admire, particularly as a high eye, it's not my natural tendency to want to spend a lot of time planning. Um, I tend to say fire, aim, whereas you tend to aim, aim, aim. 
And so I really, I'm really glad that you have that tendency, but, but when we pair that tendency with the critical nature of, of projects being on time early, you know, we just don't have as much time for the planning as either of us would like. You know, we just don't have the time at the beginning uh, to get all of that right. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna set some early deadlines so that we get started on a good foot, so that we start off this project well. And this is a little bit different than maybe what you're used to hearing from me in the past. I'm going to ask for regular, more frequent updates. I have no problem with you doing it your way. And I still want the project to get done and on time without you having to cram it all in at the end, right? I don't, I don't want us to have to spend a week long where we're at the office for 20 hours a day at the, at the last week because we missed some stuff at the beginning. Yeah, neither of us like that. No, that's not, that's just not a good way to work. That's not a good way to live, right? So that's what it might sound like. That's the first danger, right? That's right. danger number one. We probably can go in long enough that we probably ought to stop it here um, and continue this next week. Danger number two and number three next week? Yeah. So thanks, Dan. I always enjoy doing this with you. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. All right. We'll see you later. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll finish this one up next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long. <laughs>